Hi everyone, this is Joanna at Bridges and Tech interviewing my LinkedIn friend that I have known and followed for a while now. I love her posts. They're always so informative and advice she gives to like people that are looking for careers in cybersecurity. So I am really excited to chat a little bit more with her and hope that you can learn something from her. So I'm going to let her introduce herself here real quick. And yeah, over to you. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Katia Dean, the voice of the cyber pros, and I am currently a systems engineer for Innovation LLC, and basically my day-to-day -day task deals with cloud technologies and actually being a liaison between the government and my customers on different projects. So I'm actually studying for my first cloud certification, which is the AWS Cloud Practitioner exam, because I'll be actually be able to work in the cloud, which I'm very excited about. Most of my work experience deals with supporting the Department of Defense military programs. So I was a system test engineer for Northrop Grumman, cybersecurity engineer for PMA 274, which is the presidential helicopter program. I was a senior technical manager supporting the Air Force. That position actually ended because the contract that I was on had ended and I actually was laid off, which caused me to be unemployed for nine months. During that nine months when I was unemployed, next to looking for a job, I actually started to write about my career search and job search on my blog, which is KTL Style Life, that I eventually now turned into a resume business slash cybersecurity career business right now, helping people because even though I was struggling trying to find my own position, I still was able to help other people, encourage them along the way. Then I finally got another position as a program analyst supporting the Navy. I was at that job for eight months. I realized, okay, I'm bored. It's not really stimulating my mind. It's time for me to go. <laughs> so as I mentioned before, my new job, which I'm very excited about, is a systems engineer. And that's me. Very cool. That's exciting. So tell us about um, what brought you over to uh, technology, like you woke up one day and just decided you like torture and <laughs> yeah, what happened so there? How I got into, well, first, um, I have a bachelor's in electronic engineering from Cleveland State University. Yeah. And even though I'm an engineer, I'm not your typical engineer. So normally everyone has the story, well, you know, I was just good at math and science. Mine's is the opposite. Math and science was my weakest subject. I did not do well at all. However, I was like very analytical and I always like to think. So I was like, okay, I don't care how hard it is. I'm just going to do it. I struggle a lot, of course, but I was actually able to get um, my engineering degree. And I actually got to cybersecurity because I had volunteered at this seminar event for young girls. And it was actually on appreciation night for the volunteers. They were going over all the workshops and they had this particular one about cybersecurity. I never heard of cybersecurity. I didn't know what it was. So I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll volunteer next year for the workshop. So I ended up volunteering for the workshop and the girls actually had a project where they broke into a computer system. They had to find a file, figure out what a file was do a little bit of coding and decode the messages in the file. Now me personally, I do not like programming, but I'm like, okay, I know it has to be, that cybersecurity is probably not just about coding. Let me see what else is out there. So one of my friends had mentioned that when I was trying to look for my master's program, I didn't know what school to go to. So one of my friends had just mentioned, hey, I heard UMUC, University of Maryland, University College is a good school. So I said, okay, let me look into that. So I looked into that. They actually had a webinar about their whole cybersecurity program. And Lord behold, it was not all about programming. So I was excited because I don't like programming. Mm -hmm. So that's how I actually got into cybersecurity was from this seminar event and I ended up volunteering. 
That is so cool. So you went to volunteer to help other people learn about this, right? Mm-hmm. And then you end up falling in love with it. I mean, it wasn't that exact thing that they were doing, but you were able to get enough information to learn more about the career. I think that's really cool because for me, growing I mean, cybersecurity hasn't really been popular until the last 10 years, I would say. But I didn't know anything about cybersecurity, network security, all of that. So when I went to college, I did computer networking. And then later on, I feel like I was in my sophomore year, I started learning about security and I got a second degree in network security. But yeah, like it just wasn't a thing that was common for us. We didn't know they existed. So you're like me because I really, really hate programming. (laughs) like coding and that's another thing that I have a hard time with is that they have a lot of this oh let's get more kids into computers but they're all coding those like coding nights and code hour and this and I thought okay that's great if coding is for you but if coding isn't for you then you feel like you don't belong in IT because you don't like to code meanwhile there are a lot of other things systems engineers don't need to do coding, neither do a lot of security analysts. Now you might have to write some scripts to run stuff, but I don't really consider that coding. I can do those as long as it's short. Uh, (laughs) So during your career search, because you were unemployed for nine months and you were trying to find a job, what do you think, what was the most eye-opening thing for you during that job search process? For me, what I actually ended up doing was, I got to piggyback a little bit. So before my contract was coming to an end, I had sensed the red flags early. So I was already job searching before they laid me off. And I was trying to get a job before, but it had happened. So in my situation, I had a clearance sponsorship that was in progress. And I was going for a top secret polygraph which is very very high up there high clearance now prior to me trying to get in there before I left the clearance process would take a long time and I had finally got to the polygraph which is like in December so I was like okay it really shouldn't take that long so I should really get at that new job January 2019 but I realized the clearance wasn't coming so I said okay now I really have to start job searching So I didn't start job searching until the end of January, 2019. And what I had noticed in my whole job search was one, as I tell people all the time, your resume is very important and you must know how to speak to your resume. And then a job that you're applying for, you need to have the relevant work experience to that job. So a lot of people, when I do a lot of people resumes, they just really think they're supposed to have everything they did on their resume, but it's not going to get your job. For instance, I did a resume a couple of weeks ago and the girl had American Sign Language. It's great that you know how to do American Sign Language, but if that cybersecurity job that you're looking for does not call for American Sign Language, then take it off your resume because when a recruiter use keyword searches, they're not looking for a American Sign Language Cybersecurity Analyst or American uh, Sign Language Pen Tester. So you have to make sure that you take off uh, irrelevant experience on your resume. Now, during my job search, I'm very detail-oriented, goal-driven. I have to have a deadline for everything or I basically lose my mind. So <laughs> with me, I every I had a I had a notebook, I documented everything. Now my process for job searching was very tedious, but it worked in my favor. So when I would find a job, before I even applied, I would look at the job, make sure that my skills still align with everything I know. I would look research the company. I would go on Glassdoor, look at the reviews, uh dig in a um website trying to figure out, okay, how's the company culture? Do they get back to the community? What kind of contract? Because I'm a government contractor. So what kind of uh, contract do they have? What type of work can I do? Then I go on LinkedIn and I find the recruiter. I have to find an active one. 
find an active recruiter, I reach out to that recruiter, I send them a message letting them know like, hey, you know, on my job search, I came across your company and I see, you know, your company gives back to the community. I do that on the side. And I also found this business analyst position that I know that I have the skill sets for. Do you mind if I can send your resume upon request? Like, don't just send your resume right away. You have to ask. And then, if it's okay. Yes. And then wait maybe one or two days to see if they respond back. And each time I did that, I got interviews. So I never just apply, 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 because mm-hmm. you're not going to get feedback that way. And of course, you hear all the time, I wasn't like this because I don't have time. So some people, oh, I apply to 100 jobs a day. That's fine and dandy, but I didn't do that. I literally <laughs> applied to, I probably applied literally to five, literally five jobs a week. And the part in my job search that really got to me a lot is that I had to still remain positive, even though, you know, my funds was low, extremely low. You know, I still had to pay rent. And unfortunately, I don't know, I don't know who made up unemployment, but. God bless. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Unemployment is a joke. So. Yeah because I had to go through this experience. Unemployment for my, where I live in Virginia, um, the requirement was you applied to two jobs a week and you literally had to get a recruiter's name, the address of the company. I literally did that. I only applied to two jobs a week. Mm -hmm. And I would get interviews each time and I started documenting everything. So during my job search and how I use that to my advantage is that I turned my job search into a research project that I put on my resume because it was cyber related. Right. Okay. So, and that was a good conversation starter as well in the interviewing process because I also added cybersecurity blogger to my resume, mm-hmm. which a lot of recruiters and hiring managers are like, oh, well, what's the cybersecurity blogger? Can you tell me about that? Right. And I would t- start telling them, oh, well, you know, even though I'm looking for jobs, I write articles about different cybersecurity topics that's going on uh, for my series right now. I'm going to talk about the un- uh, my unemployment, how I'm looking at for all these positions, what I'm noticing, how can the hiring process improve, and things like that. So that was a good conversation starter in my job search. Um, something that I noticed in my job search is that you have recruiters that really don't know how to recruit for these jobs. They really don't know what the job really entails. I had a situation where this guy, he was recruiting for some type of cybersecurity role. I don't, I know it was a business analyst, but it was something else. And I explained to him everything that I did in my job. I mean, very lame terms. He could understand it. Do you know, he said, you know, I really like everything that you said. However, I, I just don't understand anything you said. And I was all like, oh, okay, well, can you tell me, you know, why, like, what, you know, what's going on? Because we was having a conversation. He was like, yeah. well, you know, I normally don't recruit for these kind of jobs. I normally recruit for, I think it was, I don't know, software development or something. So the role he was recruiting me for, he didn't even know anything about it. So I noticed yeah. that was one problem. Like you would have recruiters that don't know anything about the job that they was recruiting for. Yes, you could read what the job description says, but do you really know, know what yeah. they're looking for? And sometimes it was no. Um, another situation that I ran into is that hiring managers, some hiring managers really don't know what they want. Sometimes mm-hmm. you could be in an interview, you could know everything. I had a situation, it was a business analyst role, but it dealt with some type of software. And the feedback I got from the recruiter, which I appreciate their feedback, because that's how I grew, is that she said that the hiring manager said I wasn't saying enough software terms or enough software, so he didn't feel as though I could do the job because I wasn't saying the correct keywords. The key, yeah, keywords. But you would think manager, 
that is managing a team of people that does that will pick up on all the other skill sets and the other experiences and figure out how it fits in what they're looking for. But I guess they're just like the HR recruiter. <laughs> yeah, so I ran into that. And then because I live in the DMV area, so DC, Maryland, Virginia area, we're all about contracts. So over here, a lot of people also don't realize that government shutdown hurt us a lot. So oh, it hurt me, even though I was an employee, but it still hurt me job hunting because the contract that people probably had in place, they had to stop because mm-hmm. the funds stopped. So and they didn't want to hire people they can't pay. Right. And I will also run to situations where recruiters will call me looking for a contract and the contract was not even awarded. And at that point, I said, look, I need a job that's already awarded. <laughs> so when I would ask questions, I had to switch up my questions. So most of my interview questions, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't pick the typical interview questions. I pick all outside of the box interview questions. So my approach is very different because I'm a contractor. So one of my questions for an interviews with the hiring manager or the recruiter, how did your company handle the shutdown? So depending on how they handle the shutdown, one that's telling me, okay, do you care about your employees? Are you gonna leave us hanging? Are you gonna say bye? So that gave me a glimpse of, okay, this is what this company culture is about. Mm-hmm. And then for, for when I have an interview with a hiring manager, I actually want to know who I'm working for. Am I working for an a-hole? Am I working for someone who care about my growth, my career development? You know, what type of manager am I working for? So I would ask for a hiring manager, can you describe your management style? And depending on how they answer that question, I could tell if you're an a-hole or you want me to grow. Mm-hmm. And then I will also ask, how um, can you describe the team I will work with so I could get a gist of, hey, who I might work for? Mm-hmm. And then I'll also ask the hiring manager, can you tell me what makes you kind of work every day? So that also mm-hmm. gave me a glimpse into the type of work environment that I would potentially mm-hmm. work into. So is it a hostile environment? Is it toxic? Is everybody miserable? Nobody not coming to work? Is everybody happy at work? So I would ask those type of questions because at the end of the day, even though I was looking for a job and I needed money, I needed money. <laughs> at the end of the day, my, my goal was I want to work for a company where I could grow Everybody like to come to work every day. Mm-hmm. They happy to come to work and they're basically up front uh, with their, you know, with their employees. And then of course I have wanted uh, a short commute. Right. Now, and now the job I got in May, May of um, 2019 after my nine month hiatus, I actually found a job. I had, thank goodness, because I literally was, like two, I literally was like two, three weeks from literally having to pick up my stuff in Virginia and moving back to Cleveland. Like that's how serious it was. So I was thankful for that job that I got in May, even though it was in DC. And I was like, oh God, I got to do an hour commute, but I had to do what I had to do right. at the time because I was on time crunch. So my whole job experience, like I said, it was very stressful, but I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And I try to make sure that I share with people what I learned. Like I said, my blog says what I learned. Mm-hmm. You have to remain positive because in your interviews, you also have to be aware of your nonverbal language as well. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be, um, like I said, you don't want to be negative. You don't want to seem uh, desperate, you know, maybe desperate, too. even though you're desperate, you don't want to seem desperate, <laughs> um, you know, stuff like that. So you always have to, you always have to be, be, um, like I said, positive. And mm-hmm. I would also like to tell people, if you're looking for a job now in tech or cybersecurity, whatever field you're looking in, you have to be willing to learn and anything you learning, if it's a project you do on the side, or if you volunteering, and it's mm-hmm. tech related or cyber related, mm-hmm. add that to your resume 
because it's still experience, it's still experience, mm-hmm. and that's still a great icebreaker in your interviews. That's very cool. Yeah, the, those are some solid pointers. So that's going to help uh, a lot of people. Now, did you walk out of an interview and based on some of those questions, you immediately went, yeah, definitely don't want to work for that person because of how they answered that question? Or I I think a lot of companies don't realize this. And I know I got a probably different point of view of analyzing things. I think companies actually really need to realize how they implement their hiring process and how long mm-hmm. it takes for that hiring process. Mm-hmm. So I was on so many interviews that I started to pick up on patterns and I documented a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had noticed that if a company really, really wanted you, then it would take them a week. Mm-hmm. If they did not want you or they were still so-called looking for more candidates, right. then it would take them two to three weeks. I remember one job, it took them a whole month. And I was, uh, and I'll be honest, I was a little annoyed with them. And the only reason why is because I had built a relationship with that recruiter. Mm-hmm. And I was already on two interviews with that company just mm-hmm. for a different job. Mm-hmm. And for you to take a whole month to tell me, no, I didn't get the job, which I wasn't worried because I already was on other interviews. So it really didn't phase me none. I just documented it. <laughs> um, you know, it just took a whole month. I will say this. I had a, um, <laughs> it was funny. So I told you I started my job search at the end of January. So in February, I had an interview with a company and they had, the recruiter had found me online and it was for the technical writing position. Now I know that I didn't want to be a technical writer, but <laughs> I saw the other jobs at the company. So my strategy was, Okay, going to interview for the for the technical writing position, but the mm-hmm. hiring manager is going to see that I have other skills at your company. So I'm going to be at this tech writing position temporary. Mm-hmm. So that's my strategy. So mm-hmm. I was able to get to the hiring manager interview. I got to the hiring manager interview. The lady liked me a lot. It went well. So then the recruiter had, you know, told me the salary requirement. And I already told the hiring manager my salary requirement. So this is where negotiation one-on-one come in. And last year I negotiated my salary three different times. <laughs> so, and this is a good example for anybody out there that has to do salary negotiation. Number one. I must say, I don't mean to interrupt, but I was gonna, that was going to be like literally my next question. So that's good that you're rolling right into it. <laughs> okay, so for salary negotiation, number one. Yes, the recruiter is probably going to tell you, oh, that's the max. That's the only thing we can do. So for you, what you need to do is number one, I'm sorry, number two, one, have confidence in yourself. Number three, make sure that you conduct research on that role and that job title and then a cost of living in your area and then your experience all put together. So I'm going to give you an example of the job. So the job was a technical writing position. I have six years of experience and I have an engineering degree and I have a master's, a master's degree. Now the max, the max, the max for this job was 85K. I know that was too low. The max was 85K. When I was on the interview with the hiring manager, she asked me what was my salary range. And I said with a straight face, no fluff, no um, I told, the lady, I said, yes, my salary range is 106 to 115. Okay. I left it at that. So then a recruiter had called me back and he's like, okay, Ted, I want to offer you the job, but we need you to have six more years of experience or something, right? And I had to catch myself because I said, six months of experience. Do you know I was unemployed for six months and I'm not coming up? <laughs> You know, I'm not coming up with the additional six months of experience. Right. So I wrote the recruiter back and I said, sir, um, I understand that you all want me to come up with six months of experience, but I don't have that. So I'm thankful that you all want to offer me the job. But if you cannot waive that six months of experience, then I'm going to have to decline. 
I let it fly. Mm-hmm. And he emailed me back. He said, oh, okay, Tia, they're going to waive the six-month requirement. Uh-huh. All right. And we're going to give you the job. Now, the recruiter called, and he said that the, now remember, I said it was 85K, right? <laughs> yeah. So the recruiter called, and he said, oh, okay, Tia, they want to offer you the job at 100K. Well, that doesn't meet your range, but it's farther but, than the 85 oh, no, that no. started with. Oh, no, I got a good one there. I'm not done. So I was like, oh, okay, that's fine, 100K. I got the offer letter. The offer letter said 115. All right. Yeah, but my happiness was short-lived because I didn't have a start date. And the reason why I didn't have a start date was because in the government contractor world, we have clearances, but your security clearance don't transfer to a different agency. So I have a Department of Defense clearance Mm -hmm. in this particular job was supporting the Department of Homeland Security, FEMA. So those clearances don't connect. Cross, yeah, like okay. I so I was happy, like, oh my God, I got this potential offer, but I'll have a start date. And that was in <laughs> February. Mm. So I still had to go on interviews, but I had this contingent offer like, hey, I'm here, but I'm not here. So, I so what happens with the clearance? Do you apply? And I don't know anything about clearances, um, but do you, are you responsible for applying for them or does the company apply for you? The company, um, so for security clearance, the process is long, but the company put in the clearance for you. You got to fill out this huge okay. form. Gotcha. Yeah, this huge form with all your information. Bear your soul. <laughs> you got to bear your soul. Um, and, and then you wait for the long, 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 long process. And then you eventually get your clearance, your security clearance. So you'll be able gotcha. to do your job. Mm-hmm. So and so I had a contingent offer, but I still had to go on interviews. And at this time, I was still going on interviews every single week. So at the end of April, this one, I really was tired. And I had a crunch day because I literally was like, if I don't get a job by May, I really have to pack up my stuff. So at the end of April, I was literally on 10 interviews within a two-week period. Ooh. Yeah, so one week I had, all of them was like phone interviews. And then next week I had two phone interviews and two in-person interviews back-to-back. So one was Tuesday and one was Wednesday, back-to-back. The interview I had on Wednesday was the job I got because they gave me my offer that Thursday. But I got another sorry negotiation story. So for that job, I don't know what was going on in the DMV area, but for some reason, everyone is on its 85K range. And I said, <laughs> I forget where we live. So my negotiation skills came into handy again. Mm-hmm. So they said, oh, okay, Till, you know, the max for this job is 85K. So I said, and we, and it was like, when we see, you know, in your application, you put a higher range, but you did say negotiable. So the negotiable part did save me on that job job application. Yeah. So I had to crunch the numbers again. I'm just like, I, I can't settle for 85K. I, I just can't do it. So I crunched mm-hmm. the numbers. I went on Glassdoor. And I said, okay, well, let me see if I could go, you know, 5K to 10K up. Because you're probably not going to give me what I made before, before I got mm-hmm. laid off. Mm-hmm. So I gave them a range of 90 to 95. Okay. So they were gracious this time. <laughs> yeah, because I, I couldn't get to the six figures. So I'm like, whatever. So mm-hmm. I gave them a 90 to 95. They came back with 90K. Mm-hmm. I was happy with that because, hey, I did, you know, get 5K more than the max. Mm-hmm. And I also didn't settle for the max. Yep. So I want to tell people, don't settle for the max. Especially women, 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 ladies, ladies, ladies. No. You uh, heard her. Yes, definitely don't settle for the max and do your research and at least try to get 5K, 10K. If you get 30K like I actually got now, I have 30K more than what I was making. Uh, so 
if I lived over there, I'd say dinner is on you, but I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so, and that, it took me a while to get there too, but I'm a, that's another big accomplishment. Um, <laughs> But yeah, definitely negotiate. It's, it's a skill of its own, but it comes, it just comes with a lot of practice. How so, did you decide that you wanted to negotiate salary? Because that's not a thing that comes naturally for women, let alone women of color, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't naturally see, uh, get an offer and go, you know what? I should probably try to get more. We're just like, oh, well, that was the max. So what even made you decide to negotiate your salary? Well, I have two things. So one is I have a friend that's like around my age. And she told me this real early. She said, any job she went to, she said, you always get five to 10K more. I don't care what you do, get five to 10K more. So I said, okay, I'm gonna, you know, keep that in the back of my heart, mind. Then I also read a book, shout out to Kirsten Brayshore, her Secure, the InfoSec bag. She has a lot of great tips in there. I just saw that on your website. Yes. For um, ladies out there, ladies out there, read her book. Yes, but no, she has a lot of great tips on salary negotiation. And I actually implemented a lot of her tips in that book. Um, I think like tip four, I implemented a lot, which is basically what are you looking for in your next job? So write down the four goals that you're looking for. So my four goals was I wanted a shorter commute to the house, room for growth, a company to pay for my certifications if you want me to learn pay me you know y'all could help help me out here <laughs> and then of course uh salary negotiation so she actually has a chapter on salary negotiation and also on her website she has two or three blogs about salary negotiation so i highly recommend anyone to check out her blog which is secure the infosec bag Okay. Yeah, I'm going to put that in the description when I share this podcast because I think that's really valuable because a lot of people just need awareness. I think awareness is a big thing. It's just you don't know what you don't know. And I really like that that guy on Twitter over the weekend decided that he was just going to share his salary. And you can just see other people were like, what? You make that much like in this same area? And I don't, and I think that companies have used that for years and tell people like, don't talk about your salary. Uh-huh. Uh, well, <laughs> should we or should we not? Because <laughs> I feel like the only reason CEOs get paid so much money is because their salary is public information, <laughs> and then the rest of us just suffer in silence. Right. So, you got your master's degree in cybersecurity. Did you have any other certifications that you did prior? Okay, so you did. Yes, no, I have no certifications at all. Okay. At all? No, no, I have no certifications. <laughs> and I get this question all the time, all mm-hmm. the time. What about certifications? What kind of certifications should I go study for the whole nine yards? This is my opinion on certification. Certification is great to have. You gain some knowledge, and yes, certifications will land you a job. However, and I have talked to a lot of hiring managers at my job and different conferences. What they have told me and what I have seen myself actually talking to people with their resumes and just asking them simple questions is that you have two types of people with certifications. You have one that's a great test taker, and then you have another person that Maybe not a great test taker like me sometimes. I'm not a great test taker, but I can understand the concepts. But it just probably take me longer to pass the exam. But what they have said is that, yes, we see that you have these certifications, but they cannot articulate the basic knowledge. They can't explain what they learned from that certification, or they can't even relate anything that they learned from that certification. So now you just have a lot of, you know, five, six, seven certifications and you're trying to figure out why can I have a job? We know why, why I don't have a job. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it could just be you don't know how to articulate what you know and that could really hurt you in the interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't have any certifications until 
actually my first certification was for a job I already had. It was like I was doing the work and I went to Cisco Live and I went, yeah, they had complimentary certification. I thought, okay, well, I can give this a shot. And I hadn't practiced or anything for it. So I went and I took, I actually called that morning and tried to cancel because I uh, parted too hard the night before. So when I woke up that morning, it was at seven o'clock. I had to take this exam. I tried to call a cancel and they're like, you can't, you have to give 24 hour advance notice. So I was like, oh shoot. Okay. So I'm going to go take it. Then I went and I took this exam and I didn't pass it, but I got such high number. I think I was only maybe like 10 or 20 points mm. below the pass. So I was like, hey, that wasn't so bad. So I'm going to give this a shot. But I was never one of those people that relied on certifications. I strongly believe that it gets you in the door, right? So if you came down to three candidates that had the exact same experience, exact same everything, and certification was the only thing that set you apart, that's helpful. But like you said, if you can't defend it, it's sort of useless. Um, so that's great to hear that there's someone else that wasn't like certification crazy. I want to get certifications just so I can add them to my name like everybody on LinkedIn does. Like the name is like 35 characters of certifications. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. that's great. And they all expire in two years, but good luck. Yeah, and um, I honestly just, at my current job, I just got, like I said, I'm getting my AWS certification because I need it for my job. Right. So I was the person, and that's how I was a certification. I, I, me personally, I only want to get a certification if I'm using that certification on my job. Mm -hmm. So I actually have a blog that when I pass my exam, because I passed my exam, when I pass my exam, that's my next blog where I actually mentioned all of my previous jobs that I held, which led from a system test engineer, system engineer, cybersecurity engineer, the duties of those positions, I did not need a certification because, for instance, uh, DOD requirement is a security plus, fine. But business analyst, if I was to have a security plus, I'm not using that cert. Because right. my my role and the duties of that job didn't call for that cert. So that mm -hmm. cert still would have been useless to me. And it probably still wouldn't have helped me on the interview either because my, <laughs> you know, my job didn't align to that cert. So that's mm -hmm. why I I honestly held off certifications because I said it's not aligning to my job. Mm -hmm. And now I'm you. Yeah, and now I'm thankful. Okay, the job you're getting exposed to, we're using the cloud. Go get the cloud. I mean, we use AWS, get cloud. AWS, I'm getting AWS. And then I also have to get the safe agile certification because we're using that process at my job as well. So those, as of right now, are the mm -hmm. two certs that I will get for my career. Very cool. So what would you say is the most important skill to have for a cybersecurity role? Me, because I'm weird. No, I'm just for me, honestly, and I say this all the time, the number one skill is research. And the reason why I say research is because the answer is not going to be in front of your face. Your boss could tell you, I had it in all of my roles. My boss would tell me, hey, do you know about this document that came through recently? And sometimes I would look at them like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so I would have to go research, find the answer, or I would have to use my critical thinking skills to say, well, where can I find a document? Is it in the binder we have? Is it on, you know, the internet? Is it dug in some files somewhere that I don't know what it's about? So to me, researching is very important and also learning. In this field, you have to want to learn all the time. Like learning never stops. Like learning doesn't stop because you got a degree or learning doesn't stop because hey I got this certification I gotta stop learning you have to learn all the time because sometimes it's probably new threats there's a new process out there a new tool that you probably need to do know a policy a standard all those things deal with cybersecurity so you have to be 
you know, what's going on, what's the next hot thing and stuff like that. So to me, number one skill, honestly, researching, mm-hmm. then learning. I'm going to throw it out there, even soft skills. Technical skills is important, but soft skills, because a lot of people don't realize is that, yes, you could be technical, but do you know how to turn your technical skills off? So can you explain to someone that's not technical? Can you explain it in layman's terms? Mm-hmm. Or are you that person that, I mean, just literally talking technical genre all the time? For me, supporting different military branches, I had to learn a new lingo all the time because the Navy didn't use the same lingo as the Marines and the Marines didn't use the same lingo as the Air Force. So I had to learn new lingo all the time Mm-hmm. supporting all the different military programs and even have to remember the acronyms because the acronym for instance I, yeah I remember on my resume I had oh I did SOC um, SOC procedures so of course SOC and cyber security is security operations center but, but that's not, not what you were talking about that's not what I'm talking about <laughs> so I was talking about security operations I forgot that fast. Lord Jesus. Uh, security <laughs> operation procedure, whatever it was. Like, yeah. that's what a sock was in my language. So right. I had to remember to spell out all the acronyms, even when I'm doing people resumes. Right. I'm like, that's good. You know what this acronym is. But if they you go into the banking industry, it's probably not the same in the commercial or the gas industry. So mm-hmm. you have to spell out acronyms. That's the biggest thing is like people are good with the technical stuff. They're good at their job, um, but they don't have the soft skills. They don't know when to shut it off and they just go blah, 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 blah. And the person you're talking to has lost you like a long time ago and you're still talking. So that's, I'm glad that you brought that up. Do you feel like your degree in cybersecurity was helpful or that it added value to your life or talk to me a little bit about that degree and what you think of it today. So I got my master's in cybersecurity technology. So in UMUC program, the cybersecurity technology program in general expose you to all areas of cybersecurity. So mm-hmm. I got exposed to digital forensics, networking, risk policy, governance, of course, team team working team building skills with different people across the world east coast west coast so i got exposed to all areas of cybersecurity. so that's why i try to tell people when i'm on linkedin there are other areas other than hacking <laughs> like you're missing other, yeah, you know you missing policy like i said before i don't like programming i don't want to be a hacker I like policy procedures, business processes, everything need to be in the order that like, that's my thing. Mm-hmm. So that's why I decided to do cybersecurity technology with my master's. Did it help me in my career? Yes. My program that I went to actually helped me because I learned critical thinking skills, of course, researching that program to me and what I use, I'm just different anyway. So I have a lot of I think outside the box a lot. I don't try to think the same way or do the same thing as everybody else. So as you could probably see from my post, I make sure that you think, um, hey, you didn't think about this idea. The post that I did last, I don't know, a couple of days ago, I had mentioned about, okay, somebody is has a healthcare background. It was a nurse. So you said, oh, I know how to... Um, draw blood and take vitals. That's fine, you know how to do that, but is that gonna help you in your cyber career field? No. So now you have to think of, okay, how did I protect that client's data that I put into the database? What type of laws in the healthcare that you have to follow to secure that person's data? So that's how you relate your healthcare background into cybersecurity. Because people also need to realize that you do have to transfer for skills, you just need to know how to use those skills to get into cybersecurity if you're interested mm-hmm. in this field. So now if somebody, if I was a person that wanted to start a career in cybersecurity and I come from a healthcare 
background, I was a phlebotomist or lab technician. Would you, if I came to you, would you help me translate those or would you just teach me how I can translate it? So as somebody with that background, when I'm looking at your resume, first I have to research your field anyway. Mm-hmm. And then I go to my handy dandy book. I love it, <laughs> which is the NIST 800-181 publication, which is the cybersecurity workforce publication that I actually developed a course around this whole publication and I actually use that document and relate your skills from your healthcare background and how Mm -hmm. to relate that into cybersecurity and of course I look at some roles that could translate those two together that you could potentially get into and I wanted to add this as well in your job search it's three things that I did in my job search. So one, I focused on the industry. So the industry, my industry is Department of Defense, Government, and Aviation, because I worked at Northrop Grumman, so I dealt with the um, aircrafts. So I focused on the industry first. Then I focused on the company. So I had experience with a big company and then a smarter company. My preference, honestly, is a smaller company because I'm able to grow. They have different positions that I could go into or I get exposed to all different areas within the job. I'm not siloed in versus if I was at a bigger company, I would just probably do that one job and not get exposed to other areas. Then the third thing is that you focus on the role and the duty of that role. So a lot of people are drawn about the title. All I hear is, I want to be a SOC analyst, a SOC analyst, a SOC analyst, or a pen tester, a pen tester. (laughs) or cybersecurity analyst, but they're not realizing that that title could be completely different in a different industry. And then you get confused on your job search because you just worried about the title. Mm -hmm. So if you go back to step one or two that I mentioned, focus on your industry. So as we mentioned before, our example was healthcare. If your background is healthcare, then that's your industry, unless you want to change, then you're going to focus on your healthcare industry, and then determine, do I want to be a big hospital or a small hospital? Mm-hmm. And then you go to your role. So I'm just going to throw a title out there. Maybe it could be a healthcare specialist or a healthcare support specialist or maybe a healthcare consultant dealing with probably some type of cybersecurity functions, just to, you know, just to give an example. So that's what I do when I get someone with a different background and trying to get into cybersecurity and for their resume they actually would choose the transition package on my website for that particular service in that book that you just mentioned you do have it on your site that is uh, for sale is it no it's not a book this one is the nist which is the national standard oh the regular okay mm-hmm. yeah so you have a course that sort of takes some things that you feel are relevant to uh, cybersecurity and career transitions and that is available on your website for people that are interested so uh, what is your favorite tool to work with and i know it's hard because there are so many tools. So this could be a cybersecurity tool or a programming tool or whatever it is that you feel like really helps you in your career. So for example, for me, it's Outlook. No, I'm just kidding. That's because I don't do technical things anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but that's funny. So my favorite tool would be my calendar. <laughs> there you go. See, Outlook. Yeah, like Google, my, my Google Calendar. I'm that person, if it's not on my calendar, it did not happen. Yep. Or I would not know what's going on. Like for us, are we on for today? What time? Okay, okay, (laughs) we're on for today. And I would forget stuff. I would say, "Mm, did I put down my calendar? Or somebody try to schedule something with me. And I usually say, you got to catch me two weeks in advance because I'm already having something scheduled. So my calendar would be my favorite tool. There you go. <laughs> yeah, my, my calendar is my favorite tool. Um, now that I'm slowly starting to get into videos, I actually had to learn what's the one tool? It's called Open Broadcaster. I had to learn mm-hmm. about that tool. So now I give props to anybody that does 
the online courses that we learn from every single day. I don't think people realize how much work it is to actually develop those courses. Even my course that I developed, yes, my course is only two hours of your time, people. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's only two hours of your time. I get straight to the point, no extra fluff. I give you great examples. Let me plug it in. So my course is Discovering <laughs> Your Cybersecurity Path. And in this course, I basically walk you through the NIST 800-181 publication and I give you all different examples of using that documentation and how you can relate that to cybersecurity and I'll go over the areas with you. I also go over the certification that you need and the type of roles that you can have within that area. I give you tips about mentoring, being a mentee, networking, and I also share my panel discussion that I did last year. So that's what my course is about and check it out. Awesome. And I'm going to play a little trick on some people, but would you have any discounts for anyone? And you can only say it here because I'm not going to post it on the link. So if they, if there was anything, they just missed it if they didn't listen all the way. Uh, but I, I didn't mean to throw you off. <laughs> yeah, so I actually do have a discount actually and this is because I just did a deluxe package, which is basically, I'm calling this your cybersecurity career package. And this is basically my package that has everything included, which is your resume overhaul. You get the course, a digital portfolio resume, two weeks of me help you with your interviews, interviewing prep. I give you tips along the way, and I'm going to bring up the code so you can have it sorry and, i didn't mean to put you on oh no you're fine and if you all want to use the code it's only for the deluxe career package and it's 25 percent off and the discount code is get ready all lowercase all capitalized okay all capitalized get ready awesome yes. thank you so much for that i appreciate it you're we can end this podcast thank you so much for your time i will put all of your contact information as part of the description so feel free to check that out her blog her courses her whole website just go over there and learn and get yourself that new career started so yeah thank you so much for joining me all right thank you all right thank you